Welcome everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value, growing it, building it, selling it, pricing it, and everything it takes uh, in between all of those. Today, I am really thrilled to have an old friend, an old colleague, um, and he's joining us from Italy, just outside of Milano. Um, Alessandro Durigon, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Alessandro and I worked together when we were at a wire and cable company, uh, W.L. Gorn Associates, many, many years ago. Um, and I still remember spending a wonderful weekend uh, after we were doing some strategic planning for Gore in Germany. And then I flew down for a Monday meeting uh, with uh, one of one of our clients together. And we spent a fantastic weekend. and. Uh, we've gotten together, I think, once once since then. With, and um, Alessandro is one of my favorite people ever. So I'm I'm thrilled to to have you here, just for personal reasons, but also because you and I are kindred spirits when it comes to talking about customer perceived value. And um, your role. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you might have done uh, since we were together, so that people can kind of get a flavor for uh, some of your experience and and how your experience since the the days of Gore have have shaped your understanding of value and selling. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Uh, okay. First of all, let me tell you my background. I have an engineering background in telecommunication. So the first part of my career was. Uh, as a technical guy, right, into a large uh, French telecommunication company. And uh, following to that, I had the, the, the luxury to, to join extremely good companies, uh, top-notch companies worldwide. The first one was uh, W.L. Gordon Associates, like you said, uh, the wiring cable business. And the second largest one was Agile Technologies. And third was, um, third is actually ITT, ITT. So three major companies, three high, uh, high technology um, uh, and global companies. And uh, all those companies are actually, you know, very highly diversified uh, and um, highly competitive as well, both, you know, internally and externally. So. Um, you know, the policy is really to, to perform very, very high performance standard in these three companies. And the luxury I had with you, by the way, was to grow up and um, put the, the foundation, right, of the value selling when we were together at WA Gordon Associates. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I've talked to a bunch of other colleagues uh, about what a gift it was to have to have grown up early in our careers uh, with a company that was so maniacal, so relentless about understanding the customer's business, mm -hmm. then figuring out the customer's outcomes, and then turning the outcomes into value. And um, that, I, that has stood me in very good stead and um, since then, and um, sounds like it's, it's been a very useful bit of experience for you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have talked a little bit about value and 
I wanted to kind of break value down for our listeners, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about it with and, and to break that down with. It starts from something you do different, you and your company does different, a differentiated capability, whether that is a technological capability or whether it's a customer service capability, uh, whether it's a customer focus capability, whether it is operational excellence capability, you, you have to do something uniquely um, good, uniquely well, excuse me, um, and do it better than your competitors and then understand what that differentiation is. So that's kind of the, the foundation of all differentiation and value. Yeah. Yeah, like, like you said, it's, uh, it has been a gift, right, when we were at Gore. And the foundation, let me repeat one more time, is understanding well what your core competencies, your core technologies are, and building from there your value proposition, right? Of course, uh, taking consideration, you know, customer value and competition um, uh, offering, right? But again, uh, key success factors are definitely understanding your value proposition truly, undeniable and what we do we uh, often wherever i've been we often uh, benchmark ourselves right in a very critical way uh, versus competition but mirrored uh, with what the customer expectations are what the customer value uh, fulfillment des desire are and we should not also undermine what are the personal goals of the people you're talking to ah. So again, it's a combination of many factors or many yeah. things. And again, I like to, uh, like we, we, we talked already, I like to express those into three main axes. Uh, so one is the, uh, of course, technology differentiation. One is operational excellence and one is customer intimacy. So what I learned through my, my career is that you got to excel at least in two of those axes and be in parity with the uh, competition or the third one to be able really to, to maximize your value and maximize your success. Yeah, that, that's really important um, to make sure that you understand. And you, you said something and you blew past it kind of quickly and that was to be ruthless with yourself and ruthlessly honest and not just have that differentiation be something you right. believe about yourself or you tell yourself but you have to be ruthless about uh, objectively measuring are you really better do your customer or uh, if it's customer service do your customers think you're better right exactly exactly you know too often and again this is the human being Right, many people is uh, building the value proposition uh, inside out, right? Rather, uh, through the years, I've learned that uh, this is more outside in than inside out. So that's, you know, the customer, customer uh, voice really counts. And you know, to get the customer voice relevant ones, you got to build also your intimacy with them. Otherwise, there's no point then to share with you all these things, right? Yeah, so um, that huge thing, inside out versus outside in. Um, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say we're, you know, salespeople. I just, um, you know, the reason salespeople become tech heads and talk technology with their customers is because 
this guy said, we bring them in uh, when they're a new hire and, and strap their heads to a table, put a funnel in their ear and throw all of our product tech specs into their heads. And then we expect them after we've given them all this technical information to go out and talk about customer outcomes. And we didn't translate for them what all that technical speak was into the language of a customer outcome. And that is a major failing. Every, just about every technical technology sales force I've ever run into, they tell, sell technology and they know their technology, but they don't know their customer's business. They don't know the customer's outcome. Mm -hmm. They don't know how that technology turns into a customer outcome and they're not discovering for customer outcomes. Correct. Correct. Um, and is, is my experience uh, unique or are you, or do you see the same thing with a lot of other sales forces that you run into? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And guys, there's, you know, there's no business, no business comes easy, right? Even if you're in a monopoly situation, sooner or later you fall into high competition, right? Uh, you, you have to be, again, flexible and nimble enough and, let's say, also uh, humble enough right, to adjust your strategy as you move forward in light of the true value proposition you bring to the customer, you actually bring to the customer. And, um, you know, additionally, right, you know, in function of that and in function of what your value is, you can move up and down or, or down to, on the... Um, uh, on the buy-sell hierarchy as well. So it's not a given forever, right? You yeah. have to gain every day your position, keep it, and make sure you keep up with customer needs, customer goals. These are varying as we speak. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, the buy-sell hierarchy, that is kind of a, a stair step that says at the bottom step, you're just a commodity. Um, and the, the competition is on price and delivery because there's nothing different. The customer perceived there's nothing about you. Then maybe there, there's something that is beyond the spec that they like. And then there's maybe customer service that they like beyond that. And then you offer some differentiation that affects their business. Uh, and then uh, the pinnacle, and it's quite rare, is that it you offer something of strategic value. Uh, you're gonna make that company more competitive and you are the one providing your customers differentiated advantage or their sustainable competitive advantages. And at that point, uh, you become um, a critical business partner for them. And so, Alessandro, you're, you're saying that that's just not a stair step, that's an escalator going down and you all yeah. are always working uh, to stay the, uh, at the same level. Yeah, the, the world is moving so fast that uh, you can find yourself in a, in a very good position today and then in a, in a few months being downstairs, right? Because you're not there alone anymore, right? And uh, you know, the, the worst thing you, you can do is to make customer unhappy. And make, make customers unhappy, uh, you know, it can happen when, uh, when you offer good things, right? If you yeah. don't treat them well, if you don't take care of them, if you don't really uh, be show show them you're there for for long term, and you know you pay attention to their goals, sooner or later, right? As soon as they have the chance, you know you you're out of business, and this happens. 
No, it, it absolutely does. And, and I want to make sure that we, we, that there's a difference, right? Between treating your customer well and telling your customer that they're wrong when they are. Right. Um, and, and it takes a good bedside manner, but, um, you know, our, the customer isn't always right. And if you've got a good, healthy relationship with your customer, they know they're not always right. And that's why they value you is, is to tell them uh, when, they've, when they've got a, a bad perception. But it, it, that takes some credibility and trust. When, you, you when you're in a position to be able to tell the customer that they're wrong and they accept that, uh, you've actually achieved something pretty special with that customer already. Absolutely. Actually, at the end of the day, they even take advantage or take a, yes, advantage if you're a challenger, right? If you make them think, if you ask high-gain questions, right, uh, beyond, you know, the, uh, the mere uh, deal you're, you're working on. Uh, but again, this takes a lot of trust that you have to gain and keep and nurture. Yeah and intimacy with customers. And uh, again, you know, you mentioned something earlier about, uh, you know, the human being, salesperson, you know, try to learn all the features and benefit. They learn like story, right, a dog and pony show. And then they, they go, um, again, it's not a criticism, it's just fact, right? Um, they believe they are, they have all the, the good story to tell. But end of the day, customer time is uh, highly valuable. So the ability to tell your story, your value in two minutes is, is something very, very important. So, yeah. uh, and if you can't explain in uh, easy in two minutes, it means that your, your value is questionable or you don't tell the whole story. Right? Yeah, and, and there's no way you can tell your value in two minutes if you're telling about your features. You have to you have to be able in 10 seconds, you have to be able to describe the customer's outcome that you think they're looking for. <laughs> and then you can spend a minute and 50 seconds telling them how your features get them that outcome. Right. right. Um, or a minute 30 and, and another, you know, another 30 seconds talking to them about what's important about getting that outcome and what it might mean to them personally. Yeah, end of the day, you got to deliver customers' results. So yeah, uh, and so here's here's another thing. Um, we know that customers do a lot of self-informing, right? Before they talk to the salesperson, um, customers have done more research on the internet and more reading of content from both your marketing and your competitors' marketing uh, on the internet and talk to colleagues before they talk to the first salesperson. So they have built some rough idea of, of what they think they're looking for. How often in your experience has that customer done a great job informing themselves of what they want? And well, versus how often they misinform themselves and they need our guidance. Right, right. No, it's a perfectly good question. Uh, actually, sometimes I'm impressed how customer can be prepared. And no joke, there are situations where I find some customers knowing even more than, uh, than us sometimes. 
right? Of course, they are exposed to a number of competitions, so maybe they, they get fresher information. Now, some of them are very good, especially, especially when we talk about, um, let, let me say, let me use this word, right? Uh, commoditized products. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, I don't like the word because it's kind of diminutive, but, um, you know, uh, but you know, when you go down to um, to a situation where, where the value different differentiation is limited, then you find uh, you find your customers being really really well prepared. Yeah. When you have a breaking through technology or something really brand new, something really unique, of course, uh, by default is a different story, right? Uh, but again, you have to be ready to address both situations. Yeah. Like I said, there's no, nothing is forever, right? Even if you have a monopoly position today, you've got to be prepared for tomorrow because it's enough one cycle of development into the technology and you can be out. You know, I've been on the yeah. semiconductor industry. I know that extremely well. And I've been also in the old economy, uh, or even today to some extent, where we talk about electromechanical components. So their technology is not that, that uh, fast. To change right yeah but you know it's important to build this kind of mental flexibility to adjust yourself yeah now i believe that as a customer has come and self-informed and sometimes if they know more than you um, then it becomes more important than ever to challenge them to expose them to some new outcomes that you can deliver, which brings us back to where we started in this conversation about your differentiated capability. And if, even if you have a small, small differentiation, I have seen that actually translated when it translates into a customer outcome, into an outcome that may seem small, but to the customer can be very significant and highly valuable. So little differences can yield big value um, if you know how to challenge your customer correctly and build the value for your differentiated outcome properly. Right, correct. Uh, but let me add something to that because there are situations where, for instance, you know, in, uh, let's talk about connectors. Now I'm in the connector business. Some of the businesses are kind of driven by um, uh, standards can be a mid standard, can be a VG standard, can be a JAE standard, you know, many standards. So in many cases, the standard prescribe a pretty, let's say wide span of characteristics, right? And many people can smuggle in uh, with that, right? Yeah. But, you know, in some cases, the, these, uh, uh, the standards are prescribing, you know, a pretty wide, and let's say pretty large uh, electrical or uh, mechanical uh, characteristics form factor and so forth but there are still you know uh, kind of differentiation factors that can be hidden um, and un unless you really know your product and you really know your technology and you really know your competitors you cannot maximize you know your your value proposition yeah and, and i would I add one more thing know your customer's business so that you know how your little differentiation and uh, over your competitors can turn into something important for your customer exactly exactly you know i give two examples so one is 
Uh, again, of course, without making any names of competitors, but there are situations where we build, we developed and build one connector solution against a specific German uh, category, right? Uh, and uh, our hardest, hardest competition manufactured this in, uh, in India. I guarantee you both products are complying with the standard but uh, our product is absolutely, you know, much better in terms of durability, right? And unless we know that, and unless we can measure and bring the results to the customer, we will never be able to, com to, um, to maximize our value proposition. What that means that you have to undermine, right, your value and be in competition with somebody that is uh, offering a much lower value, lower, let's say, quality product. End of the day, both are standard, uh, complying with the standard, but you offer a much better durability. So yeah. then, then what you got to do, you got to work with the operation people, you have to work with the service people that will have less hassles in today's future you know, uh, operation whenever they use our connectors because it's much more durable. Yeah, and so this is a perfect example, Alessandro, thank you. The, the, you both meet spec, and so what the customer knows to ask, you, and then everybody answer, you know, all of the competitors answer those spec questions, everybody looks like they comply. And, but you're much more durable, and that's not necessarily in the spec. And so now you have to introduce to them what is the durability you know, issue and let's walk the customer through what happens when one of these components, this connector or whatever the component is, fails. What is the cost of failure? Exactly. You and, have to talk to right. Yeah. And so tell, walk me through, Mr. Customer, what, what is the cost of failure? Well, the connector goes bad. Well, what does that mean to the company's reputation? What does that mean to your service organization? Uh, I had one customer once upon a time, uh, it was a component that went into a paper mill. And when that component failed, a paper mill went down. And paper mills run on very thin margins, but they produce about $100,000 worth of paper an hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that component takes 10 hours to replace inside the machine, and that's if the technician is standing next to the machine with that component in hand at the second it fails. So it takes 10 minutes or 10 hours of replacement time. Forget how long it takes to get the component and the technician next to the machine. And so we walk the, the customer through that. Uh, what is the cost of failure? What is the cost of downtime? And what is the cost to my company in terms of lost reputation? What is the cost to the person who designed the your connector in versus the Indian connector? And what is the, the when it comes back to who designed this Indian component in, um, what is the personal cost to the design engineer? And so suddenly that very small difference, uh, if you if your salespeople know how to have those right, the correct conversations to not only alert somebody to the existence of that durability concern, but to actually walk through and open the can and, and find out what is all in that simple word of durability. What does that really mean to you and to your business and to you personally? Suddenly that little difference could get very big. 
Yeah, you know, what you mentioned is actually, you know, one of my favorite. So you, you got to be a challenger. Yeah. Right? You know, when you know these differences, you have to challenge the right person. And uh, all of a sudden, if you know that, the economical buyer in the terminology of uh, Miller-Hyman, all of a sudden becomes the, uh, the service manager or the operation manager. Yeah. Right? Other than, you know, the... the engineering or the purchasing or whoever right yeah uh, so it takes ability to to understand that and by the way it takes also ability to reach out those guys that usually are not easily reachable for a salesperson yeah so that's where we can make a difference right really understanding that yeah uh, and that when you say easily reachable for, for a salesperson here's how it works and tell me I'm wrong um, the customer who knows a lot about this commodity and it's a very familiar commodity and they've bought, you know, connectors hundreds of times in the last 10 years, so it specified new, new connectors in. So they know who should be involved in the buying decision. And so they tell the salesperson, talk to these, you know, three or four people who are normally involved in the last hundred times we've done this buying decision. And your value is in durability, which might be the service manager who isn't one of those people. And so it is the salesperson's responsibility to not only challenge, but to expand the group of buying people to include that service manager and to get that service manager to be a champion for this outcome, for that durability um, aspect of the, of the purchase. And I think that goes beyond just simple being a challenger. Uh, that that goes to actually um, taking your, expanding the buying, uh, ex expanding the buying, uh, expanding the the buying ecosystem mm -hmm. um, to help the decision come in your favor, which is again working from your differentiation, which was durability. Right. Correct. Um, a, a real skill. And those are the customers that value durability. Those are the, the customers that uh, are less likely to grind you on price at the very end. You know, the purchasing agent is, is duty bound to try, but when you know that the service manager um, strongly prefers you, then you know how to treat the purchasing manager, politely refusing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Politely refusing. Politely, yes. <laughs> uh, so bedside manager counts, and at that point, you don't want to be a challenger. <laughs> you want yeah. to, you want to be a relationship guy. No, sure, sure. Challengers, so to say, right? You know, being able and being prepared to ask the right question. Yeah, absolutely. Right? What if? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alessandro, uh, we've like gone through like 27 minutes of, of talking and it's just been a pleasure. We could keep going, I'm sure. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you on LinkedIn uh, or anything like that, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Alessandro Durigon. Uh, and uh, uh, and I will have that in the title of the of Sure, the sure, no problem. Go ahead and look at no that. Problem. Uh, Ali, it's, it's great to talk to you and, and uh, great to connect. And, and I hope after all is said and done and uh, COVID is passed and 
both of our countries that we can get together and enjoy each other's company. The next glass of wine is on me, my friend. Absolutely. So you take care, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Thank you Cheers. so much. And Bye. thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value is all in your customer's head, which means that your success is all in your customer's head. Thanks and go out and be valuable. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.